God's word is God's tool to prepare God's people for life and ministry. May God bless and equip you for exploits in His kingdom, even as you listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Fade, fade. 10.45 This is one of my favorite hymns. Can we rise together as we take this final hymn? Fade, fade, each earthly joy. Jesus is mine. Break every tender tie. Jesus is mine. Dark is the wilderness. Earth has no Lost in this dark 
satisfy you satisfy and we do pray that as we approach you through your word you will satisfy us again in Jesus name we pray amen please be seated we've been looking at our inheritance in Christ now on the first session we looked at Beyond condemnation, deliverance from the law of sin and death, the spirit infusing life to our mortal bodies, practical leadership, and victory over fear. The second session we looked at the inner conviction that we belong to God, joint heirship with Christ, and implication for glory, the inward groaning for our final redemption, the intercession of the Holy Spirit that helps our weaknesses, and the conviction that God is working all things together for good. So, goodness in every situation. Praise the name of the Lord. Now we want to look at the last five. And like I said, this is out of actually 25 things I discovered in that Romans 8 as our inheritance, the riches of Christ that belongs to us as God's children. Again, the opening verse is Romans 10, 11 to 12. It says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. Praise the name of the Lord. So let's start with Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I repeat, what can we say? Now, it's almost like a rhetoric question. What, what can we say? Now, what can you say, my friends? Brethren, the question being asked is, if God is on your side, who can really be against you and survive? Now, it doesn't mean that there will not be people that will turn up against you. It doesn't mean that there will not be situations that will shake you. But we have this deep conviction that if God is on my side, no matter what comes my way, my house is built on a rock. Remember that parable of Jesus. The rain will come, the winds will come, things will blow against us to the left and to the right, but we are stable. We are stable. We cannot stop the wind from blowing. We cannot stop people from speaking evil against us. We cannot stop people from lying against us. 
we cannot stop some things from happening to us that are negative or painful. But what is our conviction if God is on our side? And so I keep telling myself, if God is on my side, I am unshakable. A sister was sharing with me uh, something, an illustration that really touched the heart. She said, it's like a statue, all right, that is out there. And the wind blows, but the statue stands. The birds fly around it, the statue stands. They pull on it, the statue stands. The statue is not fighting the birds. The statue is not complaining against the wind. The statue is what? Standing. And that's why the Bible says, having done all, we should do what? Stand. But the only way I can really say I will stand is if deep in my heart I have this resolute conviction. This deep conviction, God is on my side. Part of my quiet time this morning is Romans 11. The New Living Translation puts that verse and says, and talking about Israel, say, and God put a deep sleep upon them. And God shut their ears that they may not hear, and their eyes that they may not see. May that never be our portion. Because if God is against you, you are done for. If God decides to put you to sleep, who will wake you up? If God decides to close your eyes, who will open it? But if God, in the same vein, if God is on my side, who is it? Who is that person? What is that thing that can uproot me? So the first inheritance we are looking at, which is number 11 in our, in our list, is God is on our side. I am immovable. I am unshakable. Because what? God is on my side. Do you know that when people are running helter-skelter, confused, broken, crying, all you are saying to yourself is what? God is on my side. You repeat it to yourself again and again. God is on my side. This is my inheritance in Jesus. God is on my side. God is on my side. You know, the more we repeat that, the more the confidence grows to face life. God is on my side. Your car breaks down in the morning. God is what? On my side. God is on my side. You see, this connects to what we learned the last time. Goodness in all situations, isn't it? There's a connection. But this is saying... Who can be against us? Now, will there not be things against us? There will be. But the Bible is asking a question as though whatever it is doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, my brethren. May God bring us to that point that what people say don't matter anymore. I'm I'm going to deal with that later on. May we get to a point that you are repeating. You wake up in the morning saying, God is on my side. You walk through life saying, God is on my side. And so when people begin to talk and say things, you are saying to yourself, what? God is on my side. Thank you very much, but what? God is on my side. God is on my side. I remember many years ago where somewhere and somebody by a revelation, I don't know where he got it from, he just looked at me and he said, I sense you have a spirit of seduction. And you really need to, it's a stronghold. Stronghold of seduction. I looked and I said, God bless you. Amen. God do what? But in my heart, what am I saying? God is on my side. God is with me. It's not what you say that defines me. It's not what the world says that defines me. It's what God says. And God says, I am on your side. And you are the winning side. 
Praise the name of the Lord. May we, may we rise up and say, God is on our side. So that the dust, the smell, the arrows, the darts, they don't penetrate. God is on our side. Praise the name of the Lord. The second thing is in verse 32. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, how many he's? You know, they are talking of two different he's here. The first he, who, he who did not spare his own son, how shall he, who is that he? God the Father, not with him. Which him is that? Jesus. So, what he's saying is, I have given you the best I have. There's nothing God has for us better than Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Nothing. And what God is showing me is that if he has given us the best, anything else that we need is less than the best. Everything else. And then he's saying, if he gave us the best, how will he not give us the rest? And that gave me a lot of boldness in prayer. And you know, sometimes we are afraid to ask lavishly. It's actually not a sign of spirituality. It's a lack of faith. Is that you are always wondering, or we are always wondering, can God do this? Will God do this? Why should God do this? But if God has given you the ultimate, there's nothing below that that is not accessible. And so I have decided to stretch my faith in believing. Hallelujah. Once I know I'm asking in line with his will, once I know I'm not asking out of covetousness or carnality, once I know what I am requesting is not for vain glory or self-promotion, once my motivations are right, I will ask lavishly, Hallelujah. I will ask lavishly. And honestly, I believe it is my inheritance that my father will lavish blessing on me. I say again, holiness does not mean smallness. Holiness does not mean deprivation. God may allow for a season that we go through certain seasons. Are you following me? Certain seasons are necessary for pruning, necessary for character formation, necessary for testing your heart, testing your motive. But we must not translate those seasons of dealings to become the default. I am praying that God can so lavish me with such an abundance that I am flowing in this abundance to other people. Is that not God's will? Is it not God's will that you have so much that you meet people's needs all around you? Now, I, I'm, I'll give a small example of something that happened last night, but please don't misunderstand. It's not to boast. Somebody has been calling, 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 you know, and he's calling at the wrong time. Wrong time. Calling, he'll be calling like 10 times back to back. Once I asked my wife to pick, he said, oh, uh, I spoke at a conference somewhere and that, uh, uh, you know, he wants to speak with me. I didn't think it was so important. So I was doing some other things. Then he wrote WhatsApp, wrote text message, wrote. I didn't have time to read it. But last night, I had time to read it. And it turned out that he's a student in the university and he says, please, tomorrow is my deadline. If I don't pay this amount of money, I will be deregistered. 
this was almost 8 or 9 p.m. He even took a screenshot of the message from the university. So I called him. I said, who are you? He said, ah, you don't remember me, but, 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 but. So I was very hard with him initially because I wanted to find out, is this 419? So I said, why are you calling me? We don't have a relationship. You've not been in touch with me since the conference. Suddenly you are calling me when you have a financial need. It's not correct. If you really, really wanted me to be part of your life, you should have been in touch. Would have been, I would have had a role in your life. But now you are calling just because, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I'm with SU. My zonal leader is this person. You can call them to cross-check. This is not 419. I say, where are your parents? My parents don't have. And this, sir, I'm sorry for disturbing you. Please forgive me. And the Lord told me at that time. You see, the Lord told me, this person, you were raised up because of him. He says, I have tried everybody else I know. Sir, that's why I came to you. You became my last option. By 7 a.m., if I don't have this amount, I'll be deregistered. Now, I'm asking a question. What if I didn't have that amount? What God is showing me is that, do you know that the destiny of some people are tied to your abundance? Is somebody following me? Somebody's faith is tied to what? You are, so, when you are not believing God for the lavish blessings of God, you are actually denying some other people opportunity to be blessed. I picked my phone and I sent the money to him. He wrote a long blessing. You know, Nigerian blessing. You will live long. Your children, your grandchildren. But you know, he said something that touched me. He said, in my whole life, nothing has happened to me like this before. And you know, tears came to my eye. I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I picked up the phone and I called him. And he was almost crying. He said, sir, how, 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 how did you do, why, how? I said, my friend, let me just pray for you. Give Jesus glory. Worship him. But imagine, and you know, look, for someone like you, 5,000 would be a blessing to somebody else. But you know that God will give you so you can give 100,000 to somebody. You know, God will give you. You can give someone a vehicle. Why is it we cannot believe God for lavishness? You see, there's a danger of perpetuating poverty. There's a danger of perpetuating smallness. Over time, it becomes default. Over time, we lose the faith that God is able to lavish excessively, exceedingly. Now, I hope you know that we are talking about his riches and from number one to number 11, we've talked about spiritual things, isn't it? We've not, we've not talked about anything physical. And if I follow our tradition, we shouldn't talk about anything physical. Just focus on what? Spiritual things, because we are spiritual people. So everything must only have spiritual interpretation. But let me tell you, in this life, there are physical interpretations. If God has given you Jesus Christ, his best, let me tell you, may you trust him for lavishness on other sides in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying the same for myself. I'm saying, Lord, please increase my faith increase my faith. Let me believe you. Do you know, even faith is a gift from God. So you have to pray for it. Because if you don't pray for that gift, you will remain at a junction, managing your own small faith, happy with your own small faith. Your faith has brought you salvation, praise God. Your faith has brought you holiness, praise God. Your faith can pay your children's school fee. Your faith can buy you your, your food, your daily bread. But how about your faith trusting God for lavishness? 
so that we can give. We can extend our hand to the poor. We can help the needy. And we can push the gospel forward out of the abundance of God's blessings on our lives. If you believe it, can you say to yourself, I need the lavishness of God. And not just spiritual now. Because somebody will be saying lavishness, but meaning the, the spiritual. Yes, the spiritual and every other thing that is God's blessing. Praise the name of the Lord. Number 13. Our inheritance in Christ, verse 33 and 34, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Another blessing from God is that, you know, number one, we said there's no condemnation, isn't it? But here, you know what I see is that if we're in Christ and walking with Christ, no one can accuse you and God will endorse it. I mean, I mean, imagine walking through life and the devil is pointing finger to accuse you and the Bible says, who is it that condemns? When you take your accusation to the person who should condemn you, Christ is the one who died for you. Christ is the one who is actually interceding for you. So, the accusation falls flat before the person who should condemn. In Christ Jesus, I am above not just condemnation, I am above accusation. I am above accusation. So number 13 is beyond accusation. My inheritance in Christ is that those who point fingers at me do not have power over me because it is Christ who should condemn and Christ is the one interceding for me. Christ has died for me. Christ is pleading for me. Christ is saying... You cannot accuse this man. He belongs to me. Hallelujah. He belongs to me. Now, does that mean we should go about committing sin? Of course not. Does that mean we should live careless, useless lives? Of course not. But what this is saying is that as we seek to please him and walk with him, the accuser of the brethren doesn't have power over us. And every lie from hell falls flat. Because heaven will not accept the accusation. Hallelujah. You know when Joshua the high priest stood and the enemy was accusing him. Did God listen to the enemy? What did God do? Actually his garment was not clean. But what did God do? God took on the responsibility to do what? To reclothe him. God took it upon himself as his rest. That's why we shouldn't laugh at, point at, condemn people who fall. You see, people who fall into sin, you see, that is not the end of their journey. It is we human beings who look at him and say, look at you, look at you, you are a sinner. You have done this, you have done that, you have done this, you are no good, you are no good. You are accusing someone that Jesus died for. And when Jesus sees that man who has fallen, like the high priest, all of his mind is, how can I redeem? How can I restore? How can I bring back to myself? Jesus is on a, on a project of restoring any who have fallen. Jesus will never side with the accuser. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus will never side with the accuser. So may we not take sides with people who accuse the brethren. You hear a man of God did something wrong. 
And we are the ones who are saying, in fact, I knew this man was like that. And we are very quick to promote the failures. No, 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 no. We shouldn't be in that camp. God is telling me that his only program for the saint who has fallen is restoration. The only agenda he has for a saint who is stained is restoration. And may God give us partnership with Jesus in restoring the saints in the name of Jesus. Any who accuse, when we constantly accuse others, when we constantly condemn others, when we constantly put down others, when we constantly wash people down, when we are constantly focusing on their weakness and their shortcomings, we are not on God's side. We are not on God's side. Part of our inheritance is that no matter what happens to us, Jesus will not accept accusation against us. Of course, there is a time when your elasticity breaks. Alright? There is a time when we continue in disobedience. We continue in sin. There's a time when we become rebellious, become hard-hearted. We intentionally go against the will of God. You see, at that point, even God himself is saying, it looks like you are choosing not to belong to me. But that is different from somebody who falls into a mishap. Somebody who stumbles on his journey. The accuser will not have power over him. And may he not have power over us in the name of Jesus. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who? Who will, who will bring accusation against you? Who is that person? Where is that person? Where was he born? What does he look like? Which voice is he using to speak? Brethren, even the voice that speaks in your heart, learn to reject it. Learn to reject that voice that says you are useless, you are a failure, you cannot make it. Learn to reject it. We must learn to say no to the voice of accusation. Because the Bible says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, who furthermore is risen, who is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. We are beyond accusation through Christ who loved us. Amen. Number 14. It's, it's a continuation of the same part. He's, you know, he's taking us somewhere. He's, he's developing a thought. He's developing, he's fortifying, he's enabling that sense of personality of who we are. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? <clears throat> what he's saying is that the love of Christ is so deep, is so full, that the things outside don't have power to separate us. The only thing or the only person that can separate you from the love of Christ is you. I mean, we are the ones who can get to the point to say, we separate ourselves. But the love of Christ is so overflowing. There's something about love. Love, love is a powerful weapon. Look at people who feel loved. Look at people who feel loved. There was an experiment done somewhere in a school and they brought two flowers and put them in two pots, alright? Plants, two plants. And for one plant, the teacher would call the students every day to be speaking against it. You are bad, you are negative, you are useless, you are bad. Just speaking against the, the plant. And the other one, they were speaking, you are beautiful, you are wonderful. You are... Now, they said they did that for one week. And by the next Monday, 
The one that people were speaking negative about had withered, and the one that people were speaking good about was flourishing. And I said, wow, even plants know when they receive love. Love is fertilizer. And what Jesus gives us is a love that no man can give. So in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of famine, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of, 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 of hunger, in the midst of failure, frustration, may we see the love of God. Because that's what will uphold you. Do you know, look at, look at our African context, for example. Where you have parents who are telling the children, you know, go better for you. Stupid. You don't have sense. No brain. Inside you like this, there's no brain. You know, just look at you. Good for nothing. You know, those words kill. You see people, they have grown up, they are married with children, but those words haunt them. Something keeps saying you are good for nothing. I don't have a brain. See how other girls look nice? Look at you, ugly thing. Those words destroy. Those words destroy. I thank God that I don't have to depend on the words of men. May we go beyond the words of men. Because we cannot control how we grew up. We cannot control the people around us. But may we look into the eyes of the beloved. And can we see love flowing from Jesus? Hallelujah. What is my inheritance? It's an inheritance of unceasing, continual love from Jesus Christ. Overflow of God's love. Ah! If you can enjoy the love of God, honestly, you can survive with a wicked husband. If you can tap into the love of God, it doesn't matter who your teammates are, you will overcome. Because your, your sense of worth is not tied to the people around you. Your sense of worth, my sense of worth, is tied to the love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. May Jesus fill our hearts with his love. Nothing can separate me from this love. And the greatest need I have in life, friends, is not money, it's not friends, it's not promotion. My greatest need is to know that Jesus still loves me. When I wake up in the morning and I can feel and sense that his love is washing over me, I am okay. You know, driving through Lagos, you need the love of God. I mean, the stress of Lagos, it leaves some people... Have you seen people driving in Lagos? There's a permanent frown on their face. I mean, just, just have an experiment. Watch people in the traffic. You know, Deji was driving me yesterday as we were going back to the island. And you know, he kept talking to people. He said, what's wrong with you? Oh, at the point, I said, Deji, you are in my car, talking to somebody in that car. He can't hear you. Let them what? Let them go because, you see, I could feel his frustration because of the way men are driving. But there's a love that overtakes you. No matter what comes from outside, you are secure. That's all we need. We need to be filled. You see, living a righteous life is an expression of love to the one who has loved us. Living a life pleasing to God is not a legalistic condition. It's a flow of affection. How can I displease the one I love? Are you following me? If it's not out of love, then it's legalism. It's just legalism. But may God fill us with his love and may nothing separate us. My inheritance in Jesus Christ is an overflow of love 
from the God of love. Praise the name of the Lord. And then finally, number 15. He says, yet in all these things, that's verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors. Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Can you say to yourself, I cannot be defeated? I cannot. I cannot. Do you know that it is this understanding that allowed the martyrs of old to be willing to go and die? Because they had an understanding that even in death they have not lost. They understood that we are more than conquerors, irrespective. It's my inheritance. I am more than a conqueror. I am above. So no matter what comes against me, I am victorious through him who loved us. May we walk in this victory in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my prayer that for every one of us, we will walk in victory. That we will not walk as defeated people. Sometimes we look at each other, we sound defeated, our voice sounds defeated, we look defeated. It is as though before that thing happens, have you been talking to someone who before you finish saying what you are saying, it's not possible, it tells you it won't work. This thing is not doable. You see, he has defeated himself even before giving something a try. Many people are defeated on the inside. We smile, we dress well, but on the inside we've already lost. May we not lose on the inside. May we say to ourselves always, through him who loved me, I am more than a conqueror. Imagine a preacher trying to win someone to, you know, to salvation, but he himself is already defeated. You hear it in his voice. The best preachers are people who are enjoying a victorious life. They are telling stories of victory. You see the radiant life of God. You see the joy of God. You see the life of God. You see somebody saying, I am a conqueror. I have overcome Satan. But you know, when your shoulder hangs down, you sound defeated, you look defeated, then you cannot, you cannot have victory. And no one believes a defeated man. No one believes a defeated man. We shall not be defeated in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. I'd like us to pray. And we'll start with this last one. Who wants to go through life defeated? Who? Why do we want to go through life defeated? So can you just go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me to have faith and to believe. I will not be conquered. Nothing can conquer me. Nothing can, even in death, I am victorious. Let us begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Father, this is the cry of our hearts. This is the hope we have. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Would you want to speak to yourself and say, I will not be defeated. Not by men, not by situations around me. I will not succumb. For in Jesus Christ, I am more than a conqueror. Father, we do believe with all our hearts that this is the will of God for each one of us to be victorious in you, to be triumphant over the schemes of hell, to be triumphant irrespective of the darts of hell that comes my way. 
we are more than victorious. Lord, is there anyone feeling a sense of defeat? Can we minister to one another? Is there, is there somebody here feeling a sense of inner defeat? Something in you is feeling, feeling like I am a loser or I keep losing or I, I'm not making it. I'm just not making it. And you want us to pray together with you. Just, just stand up and we will, we will just ask people around you to, to surround you. Is there anyone needing that kind of prayer this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's pray for one another. The next prayer, find a partner. I want you to pray about this issue of God's lavishness. I want you to pray because this person may not feel that actually God can lavish blessing on him or her. But pray with somebody and say, Lord, lavish my sister. Lavish my brother. Find a partner. Lavish, lavish my brother. Lavish my sister. Come and pray with me. Can you ask the Lord, give him or her faith. Faith to believe. That he that gave Christ shall he not also freely give all things? What is it she's looking for? What is it he's trusting God for? Lord, I pray for my brother Dan. Grant him faith to believe. Faith to believe in the lavishness of God. Help his heart to rise up in faith. That irrespective of the situation he's going through, that he would believe that there is an abundance that can bless many others around him. Give him an abundance, an abundance. An abundance that allows him to touch others. That's the cry of our hearts, Lord. The cry of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Still praying for your partner? Would you want to pray? May the love of God fill his heart. When you have your heart full of that love, when we are swimming in the love of God, honestly, even if you don't have money in the bank, you are confident, you are joyful, you are singing, because you are experiencing the love. When you don't have the love of God, go and ask millionaires who don't have the love of God. They are, they are, they are lonely, they are depressed, they are sorrowful. Would you want to pray for your brother, your sister? Fill him, Lord, with the love. Let him always, constantly experience the fullness of the love of Jesus. Swim in the love of God. Lord, I pray for that. Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray that his heart, his life will be full of this love. It's his inheritance in Jesus Christ. It is his inheritance in Christ. Fill him to an overflow. Fill him to an overflow. Irrespective of what he's going through. Irrespective of what comes against him. The love of God will overwhelm him. Always overtake him. Always swallow him. In Jesus name we pray. Our final prayer is, Lord, silence the accusers who rise up against them. The accusers, every voice, inside or outside, it is Jesus alone who can condemn. 
And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father pleading for us. So every accusation. Do you know that if Jesus wants to correct you, he doesn't accuse you. There's a difference between correction and accusation. We can correct one another, but not accuse one another. Not accuse. Accusation is evil. If someone has done something bad, don't accuse. You can correct, you can reprimand, but not accuse. Not accuse. So can we ask the Lord, every accusation, every unrighteous voice, silence it because only Jesus can accuse. And he has chosen not to accuse. Jesus has chosen not to accuse. Let us pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, fortify his sense of worth in Jesus so that no accusation drags him down. May he be ready to change. May he be ready to receive correction, but not accusation. Not accusation. It's Satan who is the accuser of the brethren. Silence the accuser, the voice of the accuser, even in his life. In Jesus' name we pray. For more information and for other ministry resources, kindly contact Capro on 081 32594437 or send an email to capromobilization at gmail.com